Our God is good, isn't he? He is. Uh, let's do, read a little bit of 34, and then we'll, we'll jump off from there. God is always, actually, we're going to stay right where the text is. Uh, God is always just. Furthermore, Elihu answered and said, Hear my words, O ye wise men, and give ear to, unto me, ye that have knowledge. For the ear trieth words, as the mouth tasteth meat. Let us choose to us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. Now he's going to recite Job's complaints. For Job hath said, I am righteous, and God hath taken away my judgment. Should I lie against my right, my wound is incurable without transgression. What man is like Job, who drinketh up scorning like water, <clears throat> which goeth in company with the workers? Now this is, his, uh, this is his response to it. What man is like Job, who drinketh up scorning like water, which goeth in company with the workers of iniquity, and walketh with wicked men? For he has said, it, is, it profiteth a man nothing, nothing that he should delight himself with God. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, this is a difficult two chapters. Lord, please help me this evening. I, I don't want to say anything amiss. I don't want to cast any kind of negative light on your word at all. It's not my intention, but it's help us to, to learn, to, to again, to start, get our, our wanter, if you would, tweaked where we start wanting to know you, that I may know you, him. And so, Lord, may that be our heart's desire. Lord, I, I, it's, a, it's an awesome responsibility. I pray, Lord, help me tonight, please. I cannot do this myself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So God is always just. I like one, I was just thinking today as I was studying that the, the Bible is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that is the gospel. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that, that is the gospel. We understand that. But there's a lot more to Scripture. It was uh, the fourth century theologian who said, What then is the God I worship? You are the most hidden from us, and yet the most present with us, the most beautiful, and yet the most strong, ever enduring, and yet we cannot comprehend you. Wearsby said the science of God used to be called the, the queen of sciences because it deals with the most important knowledges we can have, the knowledge of God. Theology, he says, is a necessary science, but it is also a difficult science, for it is our attempt to know the unknowable. To, to, uh, God is, in our finite minds, we can never attain unto all the infinitude of who God is, but we doesn't mean we don't stop trying. So this book of Job is, it's going to be on the, it's like when we sing choir songs, we have, we have the southern style on this end, we have the highbrow on this end, but most of the songs are right here in the dead center. And so we have, we can, what songs we like to sing the most. Some we tolerate, some we enjoy, but we sing all those different kinds of songs. The gospel message, I don't want to say it's simplistic, but it's simplistic enough for us to understand, for God so loved the world. I can grasp that. My, my granddaughter at five grasped that and received the Lord three weeks ago as Savior. Praise the Lord for that. But there also is the, the deeper things of God. Don't be content to paddle around in the shallows. Launch out into the deep, for that's where the true, the real truth as we grow and search, and it's, it's just, we should be doing that. So, if you're taking an outline, there is an outline. Number one in chapter 34 is the appeal, and he appeals to those in chapter 34, verse 2, <clears throat> O ye wise men, and give ear unto me, ye that have knowledge. So he's going to go, uh, he appeals to others to evaluate what he says regarding Mr. Job. That was the appeal. Second, number two is the allegation. Job claims God has denied him justice and fair treatment. 
Now, laying Job's statements side by side, if you would, and his inferences about God makes the contrast a little starker, a little more blatant there in verse 5. For Job hath said, I am righteous, and God hath taken away my judgment. Should I lie against my right? My wound is incurable without transgression. You say, but Elihu is sort of picking and choosing what he wants to talk about. Yes, because his objective is to correct and address the errors of Job's response. Job has not done everything perfectly. Now, before his trials, he walked with God, the greatest man in the East. But during this trial time, we have seen him, in essence now, he's, he's, just, he's saying he is righteous, but what he doesn't say is, and God's infinitely more righteous than I am. He doesn't say that. He, he, leaves, he leaves it to the, well, he just doesn't say it very clearly. He leaves it a little bit of open there for us. And so that's, Elihu's saying, that's not right, Job. Don't be saying these particular things. He's going to focus on the statements that cross the line. Job has crossed the line in his insinuation, well, I am righteous, whether God is, doesn't say those exact words, and he wouldn't say those exact words, but what he has said, in essence, I am righteous, whether God is or not. In a way, he has said those words through what he has, what he has said. He asserts that he is innocent, it only, but he only argues it for, for the absence of any sin. That I, I'm not completely innocent, but what I am innocent of is something so terrible to deserve this kind of retaliation from God. Now, before, I'm not trying to throw Job under the bus, because you and I, had we been in his situation, it's un- we probably would have walked away from God. No, I'm not saying you would have. A lot of Christians would have walked away from God by now and thrown in the towel and said, I don't, this God, that's not the God I want to serve. Job has never done that, never will do that. He's trusting God. But he has elevated his own righteousness it's interesting, I was reading this week, Tozier said, the essence of idolatry is the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. The essence of idolatry is entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. And Wiersbe says, if God is truly God, then he is perfect. And if he is perfect, then he cannot do wrong. An unjust God would be as unthinkable as a square circle or a round triangle. There are no round triangles, and God is just. So that, that's, the, that's the point there. He, he, God is, our God is not unjust. Now, there's some potential problematic charges against Job in Elihu's speech. Now, remember, we've had the three friends, still friends, but they're on the outside, if you will, and they're done speaking. We don't know where Elihu has come from, but evidently he's heard all the speeches, most of the speeches so far. Job, and last week, did not contradict Elihu when he made some pretty strong statements. Job didn't say, oh, no, you're wrong. Job was really too ready to respond to anybody who misconstrued what he was doing. But evidently, there's some, well, we'll have to say this. What Elihu says, God echoes a lot of the same sentiment. He's the only one. So, so we find it interesting, I like what Talbert says, Job, he accuses Job of a, the accompanying with the wicked and mocking delight in God as a fruitless endeavor. Either Elihu is seriously misunderstanding Job, or we are seriously misunderstanding Elihu. He says, I suspect the latter. I will tell you, the, the commentaries I have just, just glanced at, almost everybody, is negative, negative, negative about Elihu. He's offering nothing. I'm telling you, when you have the amount of material that's longer than, I think, 12 Old Testament books, 
God has a purpose for leaving six chapters in Joel with Elihu. He has a purpose in that, and we are to glean that. Now, Job would never allow such a gross mischaracterization of his position to stand unchallenged, uncorrected, unless perhaps it was sort of kind of true. It seems clear that Elihu's not quoting, but summarizing Job's uh, implications, etc. So Elihu finds Job's insistence on his righteousness and the insinuation that God is unfair, shockingly unrighteous. Do people struggle today with the unfairness of God? Yes. Christians today struggle with the unfairness. I'm telling you, God is just, and he is fair, and he is righteous. And please, I was reading this one book I have on Job, and he just made something, a statement about, about God at the end, one of the end of one of his devotions. I said, Man, I, just, I just don't like that. We should not ever cast a disparaging word, thought, anything toward God. But I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. I don't understand all about the who and I don't want a God I can understand completely like that. The God I, I trust the Bible. He's perfect and he's holy. And what he does, he has a reason for. Yep. Right. It's like your boss. Sometimes you have to trust him, the leader of your whatever you're doing. That he has sometimes a reason he does things. They just can't tell you why he's doing it that way. But there's a reason behind it, and you have to have that trust. I think sometimes it's very important. We just get, I just can't tell you everything. But, uh, you have to, there has to be a matter of trust. God says, you know, he can't, he can't tell us everything. But he has told us enough that we can trust him. With, uh, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. That's, that's the key. You want happiness. So Elihu, this is the equivalent. Now, and we read verses 7, 8, and 9 again. Equivalent to scorning. God, verse 7. What man is like Job, who drinketh up scorning like water? He just, he just drinks it right in, the scorning. And to walk and talk like the wicked, verse 8. Which goeth in the company of the workers of iniquity, and walketh with the wicked man. And insinuate that following God is fruitless, verse 9. For he has said, it profiteth man nothing, that he should delight himself with God. Because Job had said, he is righteous. Now, he's not lumping them in like the three first friends. By the way, have you ever thought about, do you think they're friends by the end of 42? Do you think, they're, you think they've reconciled? I'm thinking probably Job wanted to reconcile with them, being the man of God he was. They probably, you know, he got healed and perhaps they brought two earrings to him, if, if you read it, you know what I'm talking about. If you read 42, perhaps they brought three or four. Perhaps they brought like a whole. Perhaps they gave him a necklace, a whole ensemble of. I don't know, but you know, we have done you wrong, etc. But they argue that obviously this this problems Job has because he's unrighteous. They argue that Job obviously had become one of the wicked, and that's why he was suffering. Elihu argues that Job is becoming like the wicked, and he better be careful, implying that he is justice and just, and God perhaps is not. There was appeal, the allegation, three is the rebuttal, starting in verse 10. God is unfailingly just and can never pervert justice. A verse I read at nearly every funeral that I have for people who do not know or are just not sure they knew the Lord is Savior. Revelation 15, 1, 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. 
God is just and true in all His ways. So God is unfailingly just. He cannot pervert justice. And for God, Job's complaint that God has denied him justice is, well, Elijah says it's impossible. Impossible, Job 10 and 11. Therefore, hearken unto me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God that he should do wickedness. And from the Almighty, one of 31 times we find the Almighty in the book of Job, the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. We should, oh, that should be, how we, oh, did you hear, did you, did you, did you know, oh, that should be, far be it from God. For the work of man shall be, rent, what, for the work of a man shall he render unto him, and cause every man to find according to his ways. I'm telling you, you're counting on verse 11. You're counting on that when the unsaved person who's, wrecked, who's lived his life so heinously that God will give him his comeuppance and he will be found guilty and God will wreak justice. Are you not counting on that? The people who, who terrorize the children coming across, we should close the borders, but the people who terrorize the children who come across those borders and brag about it, I'm telling you, they should be taken care of in one brief swell swoop. But that's my unrighteous opinion. But we're counting on God to make all these. Are you not? We'll read verse 11 again. For the work of a man shall he render unto him and cause every man to find according to his ways. See, pastor, I read through Job and I read these verses and I keep reading them over. I do the same thing. What, what's he saying? What's he saying? What's he saying there? What's he saying there? Who's he talking about? For the work of a man shall he render unto him and cause every man to find according to his ways. God's going to take care of things. He's just. He's righteous. The Almighty is incapable of injustice. Verse 12. Yea, surely. God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty, again, Almighty, pervert judgment. It's clear. For if he perverted judgment, he would be like, um, how about Allah? Perverted judgment. If you're following Islam, I don't think you know for sure if you're going to go to paradise or not until you get there. You may go blow yourself up for no reason at all. Not our God. Our God is just and righteous and holy. Now, He can't abide sin. By the way, we are just as big a sinner as those who serve in Hamas those who did all those atrocious things, we are just as grievous a sinner as they are. Only by God's grace have you and I heard the saving knowledge of God and received Him for ourselves. So before I go into my little tirade about casting all... Listen, only by God's grace there go you and I. Yeah. Only by God's grace. Now, do I want them to receive their... Yes, I do want them to receive. And I want the protection of those who are doing right. That's, that's above our pay grades infinitely. <laughs> that's God's design to take care of those things. We are, you know how we get so caught up in things that are, are out there and we just want to, instead of what are the basic God has for me to do now? Don't, don't be so caught up in all of these, uh, how, how many angels, or et cetera, all, all these different questions you might have about ethereal things or things we don't know for sure. What about reading our Bible every day, praying every day, telling others about the Lord, being an encouragement to one another, being right, keeping our attitude right, serving. Those are things we know to do, but sometimes we, those aren't exciting. 
Oh, they're exciting. So I want something exciting that piques my interest. This should pique your interest right here. And it doesn't pique your interest. Read it more. Read it more. And allow God, Lord, please help me to learn today what you'd have for me. And he'll help you. He will. The Holy Spirit will. So the Almighty is incapable of injustice. Now to suppose that the sovereign of the world is capricious, meaning whimsical, fickle, flighty, when it comes to justice, would implode the moral structure of the world. Do you not realize how much we are counting on God being the same yesterday, today, and forever? Our world is based on that. The sun coming up from the east. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Without God, we are nothing. But we can do all things through Christ. We strengthen us, what he calls us to do. 13 to 17. Who hath given him charge? Who hath given him a charge over the earth? Or who hath disposed the whole world? If he set his heart upon man, if he gather himself to in, in his spirit, or himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh shall perish together, and man shall turn again unto dust. If now thou hast understanding, hear this, hearken to the voice of my words. Shall even he that hateth right govern? And wilt thou condemn him that is most just? Job, wake up, sir, just for a moment. Now you're condemning the holy, true God who does not do wickedly. How could you even apply such a, such a thing? Verse 18, is it fit to say to a king, thou art wicked, and the princes, ye are ungodly? Why would you even dare to say such a thing? God rules righteously, 19, how much less to him that accepteth not the person of princes or regardeth the rich more than the poor. For they all are the work of his hands. In a moment shall they die, and the people shall be troubled at midnight and pass away, and the mighty shall be taken away without hand. God is righteous. He is over all. He rules men omnisciently. He sees in 21, for his eyes are upon the ways of man. He seeth all his goings. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he will not lay upon man more than right that he should enter into judgment with God. He shall break in pieces mighty men without number and set others in their stead. He omnisciently, he knows, 25, therefore he knoweth their works and he overturneth them in the night so they are destroyed. He striketh them as wicked men in the open sight of others because they turn back from him and would not consider his ways. He also hears, 28, so that they cause the cry of the poor to come unto him and he heareth the cry of the afflicted and he rules sovereignly, 29 and 30, when he giveth quietness who then can make trouble? When he hideth his face, who then can behold him? Whether it is done against a nation or against a man only, that the hypocrite reign not, lest the people be ensnared. If God wants to do something, we can't prevent it. The best thing is just to get on the bandwagon and go with what God wants. His plan is going to be carried out. I'm not trying to be disrespectful there, but God's plan is far more important than a bandwagon. God's plan is what's going to We should be on board with him. Amen. Prayer is not so much getting God to move to our stance. It's getting us to move to God's. Right. And yet we're all the time asking God to do this, do that, do that, heal here. And there's nothing wrong with praying. For, I understand that. But Lord, help. let me do it. Please impress upon me your will for me today. Help me to live your life. Just live your life through me. I can't do it myself. I cannot. Now here's the second contextual indicator, first was last week, that Elihu's interpretation of Job's words and implications are correct. 
that surfaces in 3417, shall even he that hateth right govern? And wilt thou condemn him that is most just? And look at 40. Hold your finger. 40 verse 8. Look what God says in 40 verse 8. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? I'm thinking that Job, uh, that Elihu and God are they're paralleling a little bit here. That the same thought, Job, a little bit. I'll cross the line here regarding my, God's righteousness. Standing resolutely on his innocence, Job left the issue of God's justice open to question. When we don't respond to something, people, well, maybe he likes that. Or we are to give a proper, truthful response. If you say nothing, you're almost acquiescing in agreement. I would say, Stephanie, do you like Diet Mountain Dew? She'd say, no. Authoritatively, definitively, and finally, no. I will die of thirst, most likely, she may add that, before I drink that stuff. You would ask me, I have 50 different drinks here in front of you, all legal thing, drinks, you know, what do you want? Uh, I'll take that Diet Mountain Dew right there, sir. And don't put it in ice, make it real cold, almost like, real, almost ice cold. Oh, man. Mmm, wow. Now, you, now, Bill would choose coffee, I'm pretty sure. And those who really want to, would probably choose water. And that's great. Water's great. Super-de-duper water. This is just for like a one-time drink. You know, it's like if I had a drink, just, you know, not for all the time. Water, of course, we'd choose for all the time. So we find here, Job's left the issue of, don't leave the issue of God's justice open. When people ask you about God, we can say, what I know this, the Bible says. The Bible says he's holy, he's righteous, he's just, he is loving, he's kind. But he also is going to avenge those who turn against him. He is going to come and, and reap vengeance. He's going to bring a tribulation time on the earth. That's going to bring people to, well, we want to say bring them to their knees, but not all people are going to be brought to their knees. There's still going to be rebellion, which is absolutely mind-blowing. The appeal the allegation, the rebuttal, and finally, or next part of is, is diagnosis. I didn't mean to say finally. Sorry, I didn't get your hopes up. Okay, we got 12 minutes yet. The diagnosis. Job wants to dictate his terms to God and multiplies ignorant words against God, 31 to 37. Symptomatic of a desire to get control. Surely it is meet, 31, to be said unto God, I have borne chastisement. I will not offend anymore. That which I... See not, teach thou me. If I've done iniquity, I will do no more. So he's, he's trying to, he's, 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 uh, cease fire. Lord, just cease fire. I, I won't do this anymore. But God is not obliged to order his providences according to our dictates. Why? Because often we're just, we're just mouthing the words. Pharaoh says, oh, I'll let them go. Oh, you can go. And then, and then the, the plague stops. I don't want to let you go. The plague starts. Oh, I'll let you go. Oh, you can go. And then the plague stops. Oh, I, I, I take that back. Oh, I'll let. Yes. I'll serve. I'll start reading my Bible. I'll start praying, Lord. I'll start doing what you want me to do. I'll start doing these things. I'll just, well, uh, I got through that time. Now, oh, oh, I got a fishing. I got a fishing event I can do on Sunday. But the church, I know. I'll go to church next week. I, I, I pick on fishing because I like to fish. Uh, so, oh, oh, I got to say, what? No, God comes first, 
And then you, then you, everything else sort of tweaks down from that, but you've got to put God first, not just preeminent. He's got to be preeminent in all our things. Your time. If you need to get rid of your TV, get rid of it. Turn the cable off. You will be better for it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not arguing against TV. It's not a terrible thing if you use it wisely, but I'm telling you, as time goes on, you just need to get rid of some things and, and fill them with good things. Not fill them with bad things. Fill them with righteous things. That you're, read the Bible and, and learn. There's so much here we can learn. Tell others. Get involved. Write cards. You do not know when, how much it means to people. When I receive a card, I've got a pile of them. People send me a note, a card, a positive little word here and there. You can, you can go on a week on those things. Sometimes you can go a month on those things. So, or even a word of encouragement. Just, you know, that was really helpful, encouraging. So you who encouraged me, thank you so much. You keep me going. God keeps me going. Elihu wants Job, uh, now Elihu wants Job tried because of his answers like wicked men. The other guys want Job to be far, tar and feathered, if you would. He want him to be prosecuted to the fullest extent because Job has done sin and we know it. He just won't say it. Job is guilty. We know it. Well, they were wrong. Because they had this blinders on, the old mule blinders. God, only thing, if you've done wickedly, if, you're living, if you've been so much trouble, you have obviously sinned. Instead of, well, God could be trying to teach them something. They don't want, Elihu is, Elihu is more listening than that. Elihu has advanced the discussion by suggesting that Job's greatest sin may not be something that he said or did before the suffering started, but the rebellion he's displaying in the suffering. I'm just. What about God? I'm just. What about, I'm just. What about, now he doesn't say, look at me now. I mean, where, where, where's God? I, I need, look, at, look at how terrible I look and, and smell and, and all these things and all my family. He doesn't say those things, but he doesn't not say either that no matter what. Now, he does, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But he's sort of, as we've gone on, as we've gone on, we've seen him cross the line a little bit here. And I hate to say anything disparaging about Job, but remember, if we were to have our lives put in the Bible, I'm just telling you, be a lot more to work with here. Job's got one little thing here. I can tell you. Ours would be like, where do you want to start? Where can we start? The third contextual indicator that Elihu is, is right. 34-35. Job has spoken without knowledge, and his words were without wisdom. 35-16 says, therefore doth, 35-16 says, therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain. He multiplieth words without knowledge. Have you ever said words without knowledge? And look what, look what God says in 38 2. 38 2. 38 verse 2. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? I'm telling you, Elihu and God are tracking together. Can I just say it this way? God is tracking together. The Holy Spirit choosing the words that Elihu uses. God is tracking with God. Using. That's how it's working. So those who get nothing from Elihu are missing it. Those who sell him off as a braggadocio, don't even read those chapters. You're missing a lot of what God has for us. He doesn't put things in the Bible just for no reason. 
I know I'm preaching to the choir, but and a lot of you are in the choir, so there's more ways in there. Shall we go on to the last message? Yes, we've got seven minutes to cover the next chapter. So God is transcendentally and infinitely righteous. Chapter 35. Now, the allegation is Job implies that he is more righteous than God. And two and three, he's talked a great deal about justice. And Elihu takes up the, on his own terms, 35 verse 2. 35 verse 2, and please don't start sweating the time. 35 verse 2, it says for us here, Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidest, My righteousness is more than God's. For thou saidest, What advantage will it be unto thee, and what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? One rendering of two is, does this seem just to you that you say my righteousness is more than God's? Now, Job, of course, had never uttered those exact words, nor is he likely to do so, but he's, he's putting out this, this crossing, the juxtaposition, if you would, between his actions and God's actions and leaving the observer to draw his own conclusion. Well, if he's saying that he is just, then what is he saying about God? He might be saying that God's not quite as just as people thought he was. He should say, I am just. But my God, even though he slays me, is infinitely more just than I. Now, if he just had said that. And sometimes you and I, we leave. This, we are in a day of language can be turned to leave you thinking exactly the opposite of what someone really truly believes. I believe this and we should be honest and open. That's part of what the Bible is. We're not hiding the gospel message. We should be getting it out. God is the way, the truth, and the life. The narrator seems to think now that, that the Mr. Elihu is pretty much... So, uh, Job's uncompromising insistence on his innocence, Elihu infers then, implies that he is more righteous than God. Is it a valid inference? Absolutely, because in 32.2, his anger was kindled, uh, Elihu's was, because he justified himself, Job did, rather than God. This is the fourth contextual indicator that Elihu's instincts are on the mark. 35.2, we read it just a moment ago. Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidest my righteousness is more than God's. 40 verse 8, again, 40 verse 8. Wilt thou also disannul my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me that thou mayest be righteous? People still do this, by the way, all the time. Why is God allowing this? You know, if I was God, well, I tell you what, all this suffering and pain, if I was God, I would get in. They would, how can God be righteous and allow all this? It's called S-I-N. Sin. It's called sin. He hasn't. He, we haven't. He doesn't. He doesn't have sin. We do. And he makes righteous judgments. And just and true are his ways. I don't understand all his ways. How could you and I? He's got every single person in the world he's watching over and knows about. He knows about every cat in the world. He knows about every flea on every cat in the world. That's got to be a lot of fleas, I'm telling you. Not even counting the dogs. The dogs. He knows about that. And yet, he knows you. And when you have a problem, a headache, a backache, a sore tooth, a sore toe. He knows all those things about us. It's amazing. But that's nothing for the amazing God. Is not God, our God amazing? He is. Now, 30, uh, 35, verse 3, keeping on point. For, for thou saidest, what advantage will it be unto thee? And said, what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? 
What good does it to me to live righteously? Talbert says, how does this relate to Job's insinuation of superior righteousness in 35.2? Well, Job's words imply, words imply that his righteousness exceeds God because he has fulfilled his obligations, but God has not. He's implying that. How then has it profited Job to avoid sin and fulfill his obligation if God is not going to fulfill his obligations by governing the world in a consistently just and moral way? You can go to seed on this. I'm telling you, a lot of Christians have dropped out of church because this happened in my life and most of my parents died or all this happened and, and God is just, he doesn't, he's just not right to allow this boo-hoo on God. Instead of Asaph, Psalm, 30, Psalm 73, how is it? How is it that the, the expectation in the moral universe, but there are people who are sinners, great sinners, and greatly successful. And they have no time for God at all. And the people who are poor church mice, and they're serving the Lord, and they have all kinds of problems. How does that work out? Because God is not about materialism. He's about your spiritual condition. That's what He wants from us. Jeff Bezos is moving his, his entourage to Miami, Florida, moving from the saddle to Miami. I don't know. He's probably going to buy up half the state. I don't know. But the most important thing is Jeff Bezos know God as Savior. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard him say, yes, he's my Lord and Savior. That's, that's far more important than having, being the richest man in the world at certain times. He's wrestling with inequity, so we find the allegation, the rebuttal is in 4 to 8, is God's righteousness is unaffected by human actions and accusations. God is righteous. Now, the, the cloud of doubt we can cast about God's righteousness on our own wrongness can happen, but, but whether we are righteous or not, God remains the same. Now, we are, to, we are to keep God in a grandiose light. We are, but what we do, well, third, let's read the Bible. For I will answer thee and, thou com- and thy companions with thee. Look into the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what doest thou against him? If thou transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? And what receiveth he of thine hand? In other words, you puny little pipsqueak, what you're doing has nothing. God's character remains the same. Now, we can give a bad testimony for sure, but God's character is the same, whether you and I follow him or not. His character is not diminished by your actions, etc. Testimony, yes, perhaps. Our problems are not caused by our ignorance of some profound new truth, but by our failure to take seriously the most obvious and elemental realities about God. We get stuck on the high thinking sometimes and neglect the basic truths of God. The diagnosis then in the last part, Job is speaking empty words without knowledge. We find in verse 9, by reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the press to cry. They cry out by reason of the arm, uh, arm of the Almighty. Uh, Mr. Elihu does not answer such, God does not answer such cries when they are purely self-centered. Cries not God-centered in verse 10 and 11, wisdom-focused and fellowship-oriented, and cries rooted in presumption, verse 12, there they cry, but none giveth answer because of the pride of evil men. God is under no obligation to answer such prayers despite the oppression suffered by those who offer them. Verse 13, surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. How much less then will God regard it when Job complains that he cannot find him anywhere or see evidence of his presence? 14, although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him. 
Therefore, trust thou in him. That's it. You can't, I can't see the end from the beginning. I can't see all that God's doing. But we, the bottom line, we have got to trust him because he is trustworthy. He gives us songs in the night before we pray. Spurgeon said regarding that little phrase, songs in the night, any man can sing in the day. It is easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But he is the skillful singer who can sing when there is not a ray of light by which to read. I'm telling you, you're going to need to be walking with God when the song comes in the night. You're going to need to have that relationship with God when those dark times come to keep on singing. God wants to hear us sing even when the trials are on our deck. May we do so this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this book of Job. It is far deeper than we're usually willing to wade, even as pastors. Help us to learn. May we this week not cast any disparaging word, remark, allegation, or even insinuation negatively toward you. You are an awesome God, and we humble ourselves. We worship you. In Jesus' name, I pray all these things. Amen.